Amen. Hey, you guys can be seated. Turn around and say hey to somebody uh, around you on your way down. Give them a fist bump, elbow, something over here. Thank you, uh, worship team. <laughs> we've got, um, uh, we've got a, a couple announcements before we dig into the text this morning. We do have, we have started on uh, this past week, we do, we've, we've uh, do 21 days of prayer. So the beginning of the year, we section off 21 days of prayer. There's a lot of churches all over the U.S., really all over the world in a lot of capacity that is committed and devoted 21 days committed to prayer for the whole year. And, and some of you guys have done this before. We talked to several that are participating with our church that have never, um, never, never prayed. I talked to somebody uh, this past week and they, they just said, they said, I can't remember. I don't know if I've ever prayed three days in a row, much less 21 days in a row. And, they, and they, their, their purpose was to say how much it's already affected them in the beginning of their, their year. And so and then we have others that have, that have participated before. This is our second year. So last year we were at a different location. Shocker, I know I can say that about, about every six months that we've been around as a church. But um, we've been here. We've been able to be here. Uh, and so each morning, weekday morning at 6.15, I know, right, 6, 6.15 to 7, we pray. And um, it's been, it's been, I've, I've been here. It's been such a good time. Uh, and then on Saturdays at 9. So the final Saturday which is not this coming up Saturday, but the next. We'll have our final prayer here uh, at Four Corners at 9 in the morning. And then we'll end with uh, kind of breakfast, brunch, snack, juice, hangout, celebration uh, for, the, for the 21 days. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, I would encourage you, um, participate if you can, how you can. we got a lot of people that are, we have two different groups really. Uh, this week between the weekday and the Saturday, just between people that are able to, to make it out. So if you can make it out, even for one day, it'll, it'll, people will tell you, it'll, it'll, it, change, it changes the trajectory, uh, not just of the day, but really of the, the mode of thinking that you have and that we have. Why? Because we're centering in Christ. So uh, that's 21 days of prayer. Next one is um, Next Steps. Next Steps is two weeks in a row. We haven't had Next Steps since November, I believe that's right, uh, since November, and it's the first two weeks of the month. It's 45 minutes long. If you've never been to Next Steps, if you're new at the church, uh, if you would just want to know kind of more about what, our, uh, what makes our church our church, the unique expression that is Four Corners. The body of Christ is diverse. It is uh, full of gifts, and, uh, but every part is unique, and so what makes the, the unique expression of our church and the call of God on our church, unique. We get to hear a little bit of that in Next Steps and then also kind of see the on-ramp of how to be involved. So I'd encourage you to be a part of that if you've not. And then the last thing is uh, small groups. We have small groups starting up next month, February, about the middle of February. And so uh, if you are interested in leading a small group or you've talked to somebody and they want to lead, uh, you can mark it down on your uh, connect card, connection card that's in your uh, bulletin there. Just say you're interested, and uh, we'll contact you and kind of walk you through that process, what that looks like, um, and where that might be able to fit in, maybe even this semester. And uh, I want to encourage you to do that. All right. You guys ready to crank up? Y'all ready to do this? Y'all online? Y'all ready? We are in our series called Enemies of Peace. And really what we're doing is we're unmasking 
the enemies of our soul that enslave us and rob us of peace. And so the inspiration from the series really comes from a, a, a book that I read last year called Live No Lies, and it's phenomenal. If you want to know more about it, uh, you can talk to me after service, and I'll, I'll talk to you about where to get it. Uh, our scripture this morning, John chapter 8, uh, the Gospel of John chapter 8, beginning in verse 32, and then we'll skip down just a little bit. It says this, Jesus says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Everybody say truth. Y'all with me this morning? Everybody say truth. All right. Jesus said to them, <clears throat> uh, John chapter 8, beginning verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I've come here from God. I've not come, as, I've, I've not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? So Jesus is talking to the, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees. And he says this, My language isn't clear to you because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus ain't playing. I love, I, love, I love reading the Gospels. I love reading Jesus and, and listening. He, he, he ministers to me, but every once in a while, sweet and tender Jesus lays it down. He gets real. Usually, pretty much consistently always, it's with the Pharisees, with the teachers, the religious leaders. So late in the fourth century, there was a, a young intellectual, and um, he went off into the desert of Egypt to fight the devil. Like, you know, like all of us do. And so uh, apparently word, get, word, word gets out and, uh, that he's winning against the devil. And so spiritual seekers come from all over and they begin to go visit him. His name's Evagrius. And uh, some even stayed and kind of joined his, joined his team, his, his devil fighting team. All right. And um, Later on in Evagrius' life, a, 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 after he had been um, doing this for years and years, a, a fellow monk asked him, would you write out your strategy for overcoming the devil? And he goes, absolutely, I'll write it out. And so he writes this short book, um, a short monastic book called Talking Back, the Monastic Handbook for Combating Demons. That sounds legit, doesn't it? So uh, I, I, they, they translated that book. It's still around. And so I bought it, and I started to read part of it. It was so intense and so amazing, I told my mother-in-law about it. And um, not because there was any correlation, only because she just happened to be in the kitchen as I was walking by. And I was like, this is crazy. Have you ever heard of this book? Well, the book is like 1,600 years old, so no. And uh, so I, I, even, I even told her about it. So the main idea of the book is really that this fight against demonic temptation is a fight against, the, the word that uh, uh, he uses is, is a word, it's, it's called uh, logismoi, it basically just means thoughts or uh, thought patterns, um, uh, internal narratives. And so uh, these thought patterns or these, or these mind maps really um, uh, are what navigate our Navigate our life. And so for Evagrius, 
these, these thoughts, they're not just thoughts. And they're not just thought patterns. Uh, they, they, are, they, are, they are thoughts actually with a very real malignant will behind them. They, they, are, they, they hold a, a, a dark, evil force that actually steals our peace. That sounds intense, doesn't it? So uh, I, I, like the, I like the idea of, of mental maps of reality. I, I like the idea of being able, we, 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 all, um, we all use those actually, they're kind of like reference points in our mind for um, how, we, how we navigate the world. So if, if we have a literal, a literal map, a literal mental map, so if I was to say, uh, if I was to think in my mind, I was going to say, I'm going I'm to tell you how to get to my house. And... Um, and so in my mind, I have a mental map, and the thoughts are connecting. I can say, well, we're going to turn left out here onto Woodson slash Heart of Huntsville Road. And uh, then we're going to make a right on Clinton. Uh, we get on the ramp, turn left onto 231, head south. And then we get off on Drake and uh, head east on Drake. And so I have this, I have this map. <laughs> I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm, I believe I remember. And uh, it's a new house. So, um, so you, we, we track in our minds. Um, kind of have these, these mental maps. And uh, so if the mental map is true, I get home, and you know how I get there, uh, you know how to get there as well. If not, then uh, we end up getting lost. We don't know where to go. That's, uh, that's about as basic as a mental map gets. We, we, you guys tracking with me? So in the same way, we have mental maps of our lives. And, and, and so that goes for, for money, how we think about money, what it means to us, for us, uh, our, our sexuality, we have mental maps of what that looks like for us, our relationships, our careers. And so when those mental maps are off, then we are off. And um, we're, 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 we're off. We're off-road. We're, we're incomplete. We are lacking peace. When those mental maps are off, we're off. And so we're lacking peace. And remember last week, we, we, we defined peace as uh, wholeness or incomplete, um, uh, the, the, the peace in Scripture that we see and that we read and that we learn about and that we eventually um, are, that, that Jesus gives to us, it means, means wholeness. It means complete. It's, it's not lacking anything. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a puzzle piece. Um, it's, a, it's a big puzzle that, that you've completed all except for a couple pieces because your little new dog ate the last three pieces and you're staring at it on Christmas Day and your puzzle is incomplete. Your puzzle does not have peace, all right? It is incomplete. It is not whole. And so that's the, that's, that's the picture. That's the idea. Uh, to, to, to walk in peace, then we also have to be able to, then we're all, that also means that we're walking in truth. Peace and truth are two sides of the same coin. So if you want to hear a little bit more about that, you catch the podcast from last week and um, catch up to speed on our, on our series. And so if, if I asked you what steals your peace, if I did a survey, what steals your peace? If I asked those that are online, what steals your peace? Uh, a, a lot of us would say probably different things. We'd say um, the uh, media, media steals my peace. You know, uh, it, 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 it robs me of uh, I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm unstable, I get fearful, I get anxiety, my hands start sweating, I don't even know what to think, I don't know what to believe, I don't know what to, I don't, media steals my, steals my peace. And good luck get somehow navigating and, 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 and getting out of hearing any kind of media, it's, it's everywhere, we carry it in our pocket. Maybe you would say uh, uh, your future, 
Your future robs you of your peace. You start to think about your future and you go, I, 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 don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And the questions start to weigh down on you. Maybe, uh, maybe you'd say, your, your past, my past reminds me of how much peace I don't have. I, there's so many things that are unsettled in my own soul. Or maybe it's uh, just a lack of control. You're just not in control. How many of you guys, don't raise your hands. You just, you got to be in control. You're a control freak. You got to know what's happening, when it's happening, and you got to be the one pressing the button. All right? And maybe when you're not pressing the button, you're going, it steals my peace. I'm not in control. I know I'm not in control. Maybe for you, it's a lack of peace comes from insignificance or meaninglessness or purposelessness, and it flows into despair. Where does lack of peace come from? So these things, all these things are very real, and, and they may... They may rob us of, of uh, the qualities of peace, uh, like, you know, quiet or serenity or, or calm. But, but peace is wholeness that comes from knowing the truth. Knowing the truth. And so, according to Evagrius, our, uh, our, our monk from the beginning that we talked about, his idea is this, that our fight with the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds from their captivity to lies and then to liberate them with the weapon of truth. So that's, the, that's actually the first fight is to take back control, understand what the truth is. So can we find anything like that in Scripture? That sounds, that sounds intense. Can we find anything? Yes, we can. We just read it, all right? We just, we just looked at it. Jesus is talking to the, to the religious leaders. He's talking to the Pharisees along with the disciples. Neither of them, actually, in case you were wondering, really, they really struggled to get it. Neither of those groups. So a lot of times we think, I'm reading Scripture, I'm going, disciples good, Pharisees bad. The truth is, is neither one of them ever hardly ever get it, all right? Not till, the, not till the end. And so Jesus is talking. They're essentially asking him about, Pharisees are asking him about his teaching. And uh, he says, if you, if you hold to my teaching, then you are my disciples. Uh, but the Pharisees respond and they say, we only obey Abraham. And so what they consider is they say, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, I came, I came from my father. And they're like, well, where's your father at? It was really a slam. They knew where his father Joseph was. It was, it was more of a slam. He more than likely had already uh, either passed away or, or that's, that's our assumption. And at that point, Jesus' dad isn't alive. And they're, they're saying, well, where, where's your dad? And so they say, Pharisees say, we only follow Abraham, our father. Our, now, not their actual father, but they're in, in, in the lineage, in the religious lineage is their father, Father Abraham. So you guys grew up in a, a church. There was a song that we sang when we were very little. I was a small child. There were a handful. Maybe you learned. Maybe if you only went a couple times, you may have learned Jesus loves me. Jesus loves the little children. Those are the top two. And Father Abraham. All right? I'm not going to do the dance for you, but there is one. It involves lots of movement, which I don't know why we don't do more of that, you know. Thanks, JT. Uh, now, it's the Pharisees are responding. They're saying, we only father, we, we only father, we only follow our father Abraham. And so Jesus responds by telling them who their father really is. 
Y'all remember what he said? John 8, 44. You belong to your father. Oh, it's true. Yeah, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, you may do really well with anger. You may do really well with patience. You may do all of these things. You may, when somebody can come up to you or you're driving down the road, you're minding your own business, and they can slam in front of you and slam on their brakes, and then you almost hit them for no reason. They're the worst driver in the world, and you just kind of calmly go around them, and they just look at you and tell you you're number one, and you just kind of, God bless you. That may be you, but that's not most of us. And the Pharisees are not happy with this. In fact, later on in, later on in the passage, uh, in, this, in this scene, they try to kill Jesus because he called them the devil, that they were following the devil, and, and, and they just, everything they say are a bunch of lies. They are enraged. They are furious. And so a couple of things this morning that I want to uh, teach on, uh, it's more of, a, more of a teaching this morning than a, than a, than a preaching Someone that I want to talk about, there, there are three enemies of our soul and, um, that rob us of peace. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about each one of those. And, and next week, we're going to talk about the flesh. All right. Following week, we'll talk about the world. And uh, these actually, these three are, are looked at over uh, church history as, as the big three, the, the, the big three that, that are enemies of your soul and that rob you of your peace. Uh, this week, I'm going to do a, a, I'm going to try to do a brief teaching on the devil, the devil, the devil that robs us of our peace. And so, uh, three things we learn from Jesus about the devil, and uh, I can't do, I, I can't do a comprehensive teaching on the devil, and you to walk out and be like, I know everything there is to know now about the devil. I'm pretty, I got it. I graduated the devil sermon series. I can't do that this morning, uh, but I do want to. I do want to give the basis in, in that has to do with what we're talking about this morning, and it has to do with really this whole year and establishing a truth that is early in our church. And so we got uh, a, a lot that are out this morning just because of weather and everything, but we'll have it on podcast because it's important because this series is going to go with us throughout the year. And so, uh, number one, three things we learned from Jesus about the devil. Number one, for Jesus, there is a devil. There is one. Uh, the word... There, uh, the Greek word is diablos. Everybody say diablos. diablos. So it, it means uh, um, d different, d different uh, words, uh, the Satan, um, uh, uh, the evil one we see in Scripture, uh, the tempter, the destroyer, the deceiver, uh, the great dragon. And all of these actually are more like titles. They're, they're, not, they're not names. And so for Jesus, though, the devil isn't a, a, a fictional character like you'd, you'd, you'd find in you know, Harry Potter or something. He's a, a very real and cunning source of evil and the most influential creature on earth. Now, that's Jesus. And so for Jesus, the devil's, the devil's real. And so a lot, of, a lot of scholars compare the scriptures almost like a, 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 um, like a photo mosaic. Those of you that have iPhones, I don't know if the I don't know if Androids do this or not. But if you if you pull up your photo uh, album, you can you can uh, 
you know, zoom in or zoom out or whatever. If you zoom out, you just see all your photos and they all get super tiny. And, and then uh, you can see, like, if you have a million of them on there, like my wife, um, you could just kind of zoom out. And you get, you're like, my goodness, this is, this is so many photos. And so um, the way uh, oftentimes scholars see the scriptures is like a photo mosaic. You ever seen one of those that you zoom out, but, but as you look at it, it, it itself forms one giant cohesive story or one giant cohesive photo. So, that, so, so you, what you do is you, you're, you're taking um, the, a collection of photos so of the scripture, the histories, the, the poems, um, the, the letters, the stories, the wisdom sayings, all of this forms a composite image. And out of that, we get this, this photo mosaic, really, of, of, of the devil. And so we see that the, the devil was created by God. Uh, we see that uh, he sat on a, um, on a divine council uh, with God, but he chose to rebel against God and, and uh, against God's rule. And so for, for thousands of years, he has been known as the prince of this world, redefining good and evil. That's what, he, that's what the devil goes around and doing. And so he was the force behind many of the great atrocities in world history. That was the devil. Jesus came to destroy the devil's work and set humanity free. Jesus' victory is like D-Day on World War, in World War II. It was the, the decisive battle that marked the beginning of the war's end. It, it wasn't the end. My, my wife's grandfather was, uh, went on the beach, stormed the beach of Normandy um, uh, during D-Day. And um, he, he was there. And, but it wasn't the end of the war. It marked the beginning of it. And, um, uh, and so the, 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 the devil's fate was sealed on the very first Easter when Jesus uh, died on the cross and then rose again. However, much like you know, this was um, much like Hitler on June 6, 1944. But until the end, the devil is a lot like a like a wounded animal. Any any uh, like a uh, he's he's a lot like a wounded animal, and he's 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 more dangerous really than ever. And so the devil's not in hell. The devil is here on earth. That's what we see in scripture. And so we got to get the picture in our mind out of, of, of the, the devil's hanging out in these weird, fiery caves, you know, and the, with, with a red tail that's just kind of dangling and, and whatever. The devil's here on earth. That's what we see in Scripture. And so if Jesus' anthem is on earth as it is in heaven, the devil's anthem is on earth as it is in hell. That's what he wants. He's, that, that, that is his purpose. And so our great hope is in Jesus' return to finish what he started by throwing the devil in the lake of fire. And so ultimately, then we take our place as co-rulers with Jesus, the king over the king over this beautiful world. And so all of this isn't a myth, it's truth. And this is there's so much more in the scriptures that we can see. But for, for Jesus, the devil isn't uh, Will Ferrell on a Saturday Night Live skit, you know, rocking the guitar, trying to tune it. All right, that's not that, that's not what that's not who the devil is. He's an he's an immaterial but very real intelligence at work in the world. The devil is real, and for Jesus, he's very real. Jesus believed in him, believed it, and dealt with the devil. Now, here's the number two. Here's the second thing we can know about the devil. The devil's end goal is to spread death and destruction. That's the devil's goal. 
The scripture, John chapter 10, Jesus says this. It's actually just, a, just two chapters after the one that we read earlier. Kind of the same uh, situation, the same scene that's happening. And he says this. The thief, there's another title for the Satan, is this. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and life and have it to the full. And so the intents, the intentions of Jesus and the intentions of the devil could not be more different. For, for Jesus, the devil is the ultimate villain. His, his motto is tear it all down. The devil's motto is tear it all down. He is anti-life. He is pro-death. He is pro-chaos. He has a destruction agenda. That is the goal of the devil. Jesus, his intent is he's the author of life. He's the one that authored all that is good, beautiful, and true. God is love, and the devil is in rebellion to that God. That is who the devil is. C.S. Lewis says this, that's why there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. That is the environment, that is the culture, that is the world that we live in. That is the reality. Now, the third thing that we can know is this. His way of destruction is lies. How the devil functions and operates is through lies. He's the father of lies. There are plenty of places in Scripture uh, where Jesus faces off with the devil. He faces off with the demonic, uh, and, 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 it, and, it's, and it's crazy. There are, some, there are some absolutely wild stories in the New Testament that we see about how Jesus faced off with the devil. But the most in-depth teaching on the devil in all four Gospels, he really doesn't even mention any of that. When, when, when we're talking about fighting the devil, I'd, I would expect for Jesus to talk about the, the crazy stuff that you see in, like, scary horror movies. Now, I have a confession to make. I don't watch scary horror movies. Horror movies legitimately terrify me. I've seen enough previews of the horror movies. It's enough for me. I've decided I don't need it. However... I, I have seen uh, one when I was in um, uh, middle school. My friend talked me into this. is a confession. My parents are here. <clears throat> um, they said, hey, we're going to have to spend the night party, and we're all going to watch The Exorcist. And um, I was 12, and um, I'm, I'm grounded. All right. Uh, let me tell you something. That was all I needed. That was all I needed. It was bizarro. It's insane. It's got all the whatever. I'm sure you've heard about it or watched it or whatever. Anyway, when, 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 talking about, when talking about the devil and fighting the devil, I'm thinking about the exorcist. I'm thinking about crazy manifestations of insanity that we can't even really explain. I mean, even, even culture, uh, non-Christian culture knows about the crazy manifestations of the supernatural. I mean, they come out with movies every single year, multiple times, all the time about it. Or I would think that, you know, Jesus would be talking about, you know, battling, you know, mysterious diseases or, or even natural disasters, storms, or, or, or like a building collapse or something. He, he, he actually doesn't talk about any of this. Because when we talk about the devil, oftentimes it's about, you know, getting a flat tire on the way to work and so we're late or the way to church 
or getting in an argument with our roommate or our spouse on the way to church and we come in and we're all mad and we're like, the devil got on me. The devil showed up in my minivan. We're like, really? He was in your minivan? Is that where the devil comes? Is that where he shows up? And so that's, that's how we, that, surely the, the devil has better weapons than lies, right? Surely he's got better weapons than lies. I, I, you know, better war plan. I have, I have kids and I can see a lie from a mile away. Like, I, I mean, I, I, some of you guys are parents, and y'all know, you go in there, and you're like, hey, did you clean your room? And they're looking up at you. Maybe it's just me. They look up at me, and they go, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Dad, so uh, what's for dinner again? Oh, I'm starving. And you're like, you can't just change the subject. I'm, that's not, doesn't work with me. I'm, I'm, I'm the wise parent. You can smell a lie from a mile away, right? You, 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 can, you can see it. But the things that the devil lies about are different. They're, they're, they're you, you would think that Jesus would talk about all these other things, but he doesn't. Things the devil lies about are, are, are different. It's, it's who God is, who God really is, and, and what is his intention for you. And, and, and what he lies about is who you are, who you really are, who you really are. And so the devil, the devil lies about that, what God is calling us to do. He lies about what God is calling us to do. Our future that God has for us lived fully in him. Those are the things that he lies about. And so to follow Jesus means more than attending a, a, a weekly you know, lecture at church. Uh, it is actually to enlist as a soldier and join in on his fight for truth over lies. That, that's actually what it means. And so there, there are lies about God's love for you or or these lies that are about your past, or whether or not there's hope for your future. Those are, those are the lies. And so Genesis 3, uh, story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they were in the garden, and everything was perfect, and then it wasn't. And then they, they sin. Genesis 3, we see the, the entrance of sin into the world. The, the serpent goes up to Eve, and, 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 she, and, and the serpent s- speaks to Eve and says, and Adam's standing right there. So it's both of them. They're standing right there. They're, they're both guilty. It says, uh, uh, did, did God really say not to eat of the, of the tree? Did God really say that? And so Adam and Eve didn't fall. Sin didn't enter the world because Satan attacked them and beat them up. You know, Sin entered the world instead because they believed a lie. Did God really say that you would die? Did God really say that? Sin entered the world not from a bomb Not from a catastrophe, but from a lie. Did God really say that you would die? So fast forward to Jesus. He's in the desert. He's just been baptized. And he's sent into the desert. Holy Spirit drives him, sends him into the desert. He's all alone. He's been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Now some of you, I know, are fasting for these 21 days. You've fasted different things. Some of you are not even eating any food. This is Jesus. He's out in the desert. He's fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And it's really just before his ministry begins. And so for Jesus, though, instead of a garden, he's in a desert. And instead of eating from a tree, Jesus is fasting. And the last thing that happened was his baptism where God said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then it's 
It's the snake's update, the serpent's update to did God really say? So three times the devil tempts Jesus, three times Jesus responds with Scripture. And Jesus exchanges the truth um, uh, of God for lies. And so Paul, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he's talking to the church in Corinth, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He's trying to, he's trying to uh, speak truth to them. And Corinthians, the Corinthians, the church in Corinth was, uh, was in, in a city that was known for, um, known for its promiscuity, it, it known for its sinfulness. It was, people compared it, I think Lindsay a few weeks ago, she was preaching, said it was, the, it was like the modern day Vegas, all right? That was, that was Corinth. And so this is the city that um, uh, Paul is, uh, that, that Paul had planted a church in, and now he's writing to this church that's there. And this is what he says, Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. He says, though we live in the world, we don't wage war like the world does. So there's that war talk again. We don't wage war like the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That sounds intense, doesn't it? Demolish strongholds, fortresses built up in the spirit realm. You're like, what in the world is that? Well, he says it right here in, number f- in verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the what? Knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The, the battle that the devil has presented begins and is fought over really what is true. What is it that's actually really true? It doesn't begin with all the, all the other stuff and all the, that, that we, we even see in Scripture. The, 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 the best teaching that we have on it in Scripture that we see, Jesus never even mentioned all that. Instead, he mentioned truth and lies. Your father, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning. He actually is, he, his native tongue is lies. And what he speaks is lies. He's the father of lies. And then he, Jesus is telling the Pharisees, well, that's actually your dad. He said, my dad's God. Your dad is the father of lies. Now you can see why they tried to kill him. Now you see why they were mad. So how do we, how do, we do that? So we're going into this new year. It's still January. How do we live in a world that is full of, uh, or, or let me say it this way, that if, it's, if, if we're going to believe Jesus' words, if we're going to take Jesus' words, that he's the, um, the ruler of this world. So he's still got some, somehow, some, some level of authority here or where he has dominion. If we, how do you live in a world like that? And so the battle actually occurs uh, with what we would call uh, spiritual practices. And so two ways that we're going to talk about today, uh, very briefly, and then we'll talk about some more in the next couple weeks. Uh, First one is this, is is prayer. Quiet prayer. Jesus, rather than this, this, um, rather this heightened, crazed environment in the desert where all this, it, 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 it wasn't that there was 
um, all this noise and all these people and all these actions and all this war, it, none of that was going on. It was the quiet of the desert where he had spent in prayer, and it was then that the enemy came to him with his greatest weapon, which was lies. And so how do we, how do we ground ourselves, begin to ground ourselves, and to silence out the noise all around us that we'll talk about in a couple weeks? How do we even begin to do that? It's through quiet prayer, and the other one is Scripture. Scripture. The Bible. Praying and reading the Bible. Wow. Who would have thought? You're like, seriously? You just talked about this crazy monk that went out in the desert. He battled demons and wrote a handbook on how to combat the devil. And then you told me to read my Bible. So here's the deal. Prayer and scripture. This is, this is really where we started off with, with Evagrius was his name. So his, his book that he wrote was sectioned off into sections. From that is where later on the uh, Catholic Church got the, uh, uh, the idea of the seven deadly sins. And he had sectioned it off and grouped it into categories. But what he did was each of them started off with the idea it was uh, written out on the thought that I have this or I think this or on the thought that I've had this says actually this is the truth. And it's super, super basic, but it's a repudiation of the thought where the battle started. And so... Um, he would replace the thought with scripture. So uh, if, if, if the thought was, if you were to do this today, if you were to make your own handbook at the beginning of the year, which I'm going to actually encourage you to do. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, we have done a habit each year. We started it. Now we're only in year two, but we've started it each year of our church, a spiritual habit that our church wants to grow in. And so uh, the first one that we did was we said we want to grow in um, what we just called personal declarations. And they were saying, stating off the truth of what um, uh, uh, God's truth over the lies that are around us. And this is kind of the second half of this a year later. Um, uh, last year, the habit that we started off with, what we did with 21 Days of Prayer, and I did several sermon series. We talked a lot about prayer, how to pray, when to pray, what that looks like, how easy it is, how difficult it is, how it is an invitation from God to you, how actually prayer is your native language. You were born to pray. Did you know that? You were actually born. The cries you made when you came out, when you were there, were cries to heaven. You were born to pray. And so we talked about prayer last year. We'll continue to talk about prayer, but the habit we are going to look into this year and establish roots in our young baby church is in Scripture, in the truths of Scripture. And so Evagrius made this handbook type thing, but the, the idea if you were to do one now, it would be, it it would be something like this. The, the, on the thought that I'm not sure I'm going to have a job next month. So it's real practical. On the thought that I'm not sure I'm going to have a job. Have you ever, not right now, but maybe some point you're like, have you ever wondered, I don't know that I'm going to have a job next month. Maybe you thought, I don't know, I'm going to have a job tomorrow. Anybody ever thought that? Y'all with me? Yeah. You got people there. Yeah, I didn't. On the thought that I'm going to have a job next month. And the response is Psalm 23 says, but the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. And so we take the truth of scriptures and we put them in our mind where the battle starts. If, if Jesus talked about the devil and believed that the devil was real, and the battleground was actually in our thoughts, 
And Paul said, we're actually supposed to take every thought captive. We're supposed to grab a hold of it. Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever thought about your thoughts? Have you ever thought, you ever stop for a minute and you're like, man, I don't know that I even like that thought. I don't even know that, that I don't know where that thought came from. That thought could have come from you, could have come from God. But if we're taking Jesus' teaching, it's also possible that that thought could have come from, as crazy as it sounds, the devil. Actually, not from you. Actually, a thought from the outside that's put in you, and you thought it was your thought. Many of our thoughts, especially those that don't know Jesus and aren't walking in faith with him, are susceptible to the thoughts from the devil that aren't from him. And so we take the thoughts, the thoughts that we're thinking, and we go, wait a second, is that thought even true? What if the thought that I'm thinking actually is a lie? Should I still walk in it, even if I feel it? Even if I really feel that that thought is true? What if it's a lie? What happens if I walk that lie out? What if I walk, what if I do that? Then what happens, the end result is actually based on a lie. So what do we do? We say on the thought that, you know, I'm not going to have a job next month or I'm afraid or whatever. We say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Or maybe on the thought that I'd be happier if I just had that new thing over there. We just went through that thought process all over Christmas. I'd be happier if I just had that thing over there, right? Here's the thought. Be content because God says, never will I leave you or forsake you. What's more, what is, what is um, more rewarding and more fulfilling than, God's, than the presence of God, the nearness of Jesus? There's nothing. On the thought that uh, nobody's going to miss me. I don't have to show up today. I don't have to show up tomorrow. Maybe I'll never show up again. The thought that nobody's going to miss me. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. I know the plans I have for you. It's actually a hope and a future. That's a lie. Nobody will miss me. That's <laughs> God's truth is plans, good hope, good future. On the thought that I've done too much hurt, I've wounded too many people, I deserve what I get. On that thought, there's a lot of us that think that. Actually, God's love is stronger than my own sin. Romans 8 says nothing can separate us from the love of God. And these are the, these are the, these are the truths. That's where the battleground is. The kingdom of God, Jesus said the kingdom of God is, is uh, forceful. It, 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 it's, it's, it's forceful and it advances. It moves forward. It's constantly moving forward. Jesus came and established when he showed up. He said, actually, my kingdom's here. And it starts here, and it's right now. My now, the disciples were confused. They thought that that meant that he was going to go up and he was going to take over politically, and then they were going to rule, and they were going to have their own country again, and it was going to be great, and they got to be like the leaders. And they were, A lot of people thought that, a lot of expectation. It was different. Jesus says, my, my kingdom starts now. It's here fully. It's in seed form. It's in seed form. And it, it, and it grows and it advances. And the kingdom of God actually advances or retreats one thought at a time. One thought at a time. The kingdom of God is this. It's wherever, wherever God's will, what God wants to happen is happening. That's where God's kingdom is. So it's established. And, and, and the kingdom of God advances, it moves forward or it retreats perfectly one thought at a time. So would you do this with me this morning? Would you close your eyes? 
A lot of us spend hours every day. We, uh, we, we fill our minds with, with lies. We cut off our minds from God's spirit and truth. And really only a few minutes each morning, maybe, if that, filling our minds with the truth and resting in, in God's presence, the presence of the Father. On average, we, we will consume uh, upwards of 3,000 hours, 3,000 hours of, of uh, TV or screens um, of what culture says this year, in a year. In those that are uh, Christ followers, on average, about 150 hours in a year of Christ-centered, whatever you want to call it, screen time. It was a, it's a, so many of us fill our minds with that. So there's this, this battle going on. And so the question really that I have for you this morning, the enemy of your peace, remember, peace is wholeness that only Jesus brings. That in, the, the lack of peace is incompleteness. And so really the, the question is, what lies are keeping us from walking in the free gift of peace that God has for you and for me? And are there any? And how do we do that this year? There absolutely are. Absolutely, there absolutely are. We, we're, we're swimming it. That's where the battleground is. And so how do we, how do we move forward in that? We, we talked a couple ways about how to do that. But maybe you're near, you'd say, Joel, there's, there's something going on in my life now. I, I, I know it's not true. It's either about me or my life or someone in my life. And, and the truth is this. I believed that lie and I've walked in it and I know what it is. And so just as a confession and a, and a commitment today, I just want to say I commit today that I'm not going to believe that any longer. I know what it is and I'm not going to believe it. Any, I know what that lie is and I've lived it. I've walked in it, but I'm not going to do it any longer. So we're not... I'm not going to ask you to come forward this morning. I'm not going to ask you to do anything except, if you would, there's no, nobody has their eyes open. It's just me, just as an acknowledgement, a confession to God. Say, God, that's me and that is my prayer. I'm not going to walk in it anymore. I know what it is. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real high and then you put it right back down. Maybe you're in here and say, Joel, I'm, I'm so mixed up in my mind right now. I don't. I don't know what's true. I just want to know peace. I just want to know peace. I need something to change in my life. I don't necessarily know what that is. I'm not ready to make any full steps right now. I just, I'm so mixed up. I just need to know peace. Will you pray for me? If that's you, there's nobody looking around. It's just me. Just raise your hand real high. I'll pray for you. Father, you give. God, you give. It's who you are. It's the core of who you are, God. You're a giver. And you don't expect, you don't have to have anything in return. God, there's nothing outside of yourself that completes you. There's nothing we can give to you that will complete you. We can't in turn give you something that completes you. You're already whole and complete. But in your goodness... You turn and you give out of your fullness. You make us full. You make us complete. You make us full of peace. And so this morning, 
God, for our church, for those in this room that have raised their hands, God, I pray that you would peel back the layers of lies and replace them with the truth of your goodness and the truth of your word. Only you can do it. God, I can't do it. Nobody in this room can do it. God, only you, only you. So God, I pray that you would dig out and begin that process, that construction process of digging out anywhere where we've not believed the truth and instead, God, replacing it with the truth. God, we want ourselves to be rooted. God, we want to know who it is that you really are. God, we have misconceptions of who you are. God, doubts, concerns. God, I pray that you would show yourself to our church. God, that we might walk in faith in this city. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to the individuals in this room and those online with us. God, that we might know really who you are. And in turn, that we might know who we are. How can we ever know really who we are as sons and daughters of you if we don't know who you are? And then we begin to walk that out. Fill this room with peace. Fill these hearts with peace. Because you are the author of peace. And we walk in it. And we are grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you guys for being with us, for braving the weather this morning. For those of you who joined us online, thank you also for being with us. Um, if it is your first time to be at Four Corners Church, we'd love the opportunity, Joel and me, just to write you a little note thanking you for being with us this morning. There are connection cards in every bulletin. So if you uh, have a moment, want to fill that out and place that in the black drop box on the high top table before you leave, that'd be awesome. I'd love the chance just to reach out. Um, if you are online with us, and it's your first time, you can just let us know by clicking the link in the comment section and we'll reach out to you as well that way. If you're interested in joining us for our next step classes, want to know more about small groups and, uh, and all that, there's a place on the connection card as well that you can check mark and uh, we'll reach out to you. Also, uh, this week I got to, um, well, I put my kids to bed every night, but this week I got to talk to them. They were asking questions. Uh, you know how kids do, probably to stay up a little later. Um, but they were probing me, just asking uh, little things. And we started talking about giving. And um, they just, they had a couple of questions about uh, giving and God's uh, provision. And so um, they asked the question, they were like, well, how? How did God always meet your needs? How is it that he always... Uh, met needs, and I, I got to share with them how both Joel and myself grew up at a very young age. God, um, God used our parents to teach us, "Hey, we're gonna give back to God what's already His anyway." Uh, but first, we're gonna do that first, and it was just something that was taught to me, and I did it. And now I, it's not that I don't think about it, but it's a, it's a gift to be able to do that. Um, but it hit me uh, in Proverbs. In Proverbs 11, it says, One person gives freely and gains even more, but another withholds and comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And I thought it was so cool um, because that principle is true. Like, I've, I've lived it. God has met every one of our needs. And um, I don't give so that God meets all my needs. I give because it's just an overflow of how grateful I am. Um, but I want to encourage you. I want to say thank you to those who give to Four Corners Church regularly. You give uh, cheerfully. I want to say thank you. But I also want to encourage you. Um, not only is God going to prove himself faithful 
because that's just what he does. Um, we're told, like all through scripture, you read, um, it's told, remember what God's done and then tell somebody about it. Tell your kids about it. Tell the people around you about it. Why? Because it's so important to remind yourself and others of God's faithfulness. And I was excited to get to tell my kids, hey, this specific time when we needed something and God provided. And I remember I, it was in moments of wondering, all right, God, I'm going to give to you what I know uh, I should. And, and I'm going to trust you. And he's faithful. And I, I just thought if I never took that faith step, I can't tell the story can't tell the story about how I stepped out in faith and God gave um, to us abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine if I don't step out in faith. So um, I just want to encourage you, those who are stepping out and you step out in faith and you give, um, God will reward you. That's what he does. He always gives back. But tell your family or your circle about it. Tell the people around you because they need to know God's goodness and his faithfulness too. Uh, there are a couple of ways you can give online, by text, or by cash or check. Um, if you're going to do something cash or check, you can also drop it off in the drop box. Thank you guys for being with us this morning. All right. Hey, would you stand up with me this morning? We'll, uh, we have, we have um, a prayer every weekday morning at 6.15. I'll, um, we're trying to watch out. I think the weather, you know, the weather. So we'll... Uh, We'll, we'll, we'll do our best to let everybody know uh, whether get it whether we will have prayer tomorrow or not. We'll just pay attention to the roads or not. It doesn't mean you can't pray. I didn't know if you knew that or not. Um, you can still pray. Uh, prayer's not canceled, but we may. We'll, we'll pay attention to the weather for tomorrow morning. Hey, would you do this? Would you hold your hands out like this? Now, this morning and this week, may the God of all peace fill you with overflowing with his presence and who he is, the gift of peace. He has promised it, and with your hands open, may you receive it. This week, may it overflow through you into your family and into those you work with, into your neighbors. May you experience the joy of overflowing peace in Jesus' name, by his grace. Amen. Amen. Hey, love you guys. We'll see you this week.